Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapter nine of New Moon, titled Third Wheel. So before we get into this week's chapter, which is just one for the books, it's a classic chapter, I just wanted to quickly mention that I've started reading Midnight Sun. Uh, I'm doing page by page recaps over on TikTok. Yeah, I'm a 30 year old on TikTok, get over it. The TikTok handle is breaking down bad books. And so it's, you know, one page per TikTok one page per talk, I guess. And I've only read four or five pages so far. And I tell you what, it's not fun being in Edward's brain. Mm-mm. If you're thinking you're missing him during New Moon, ugh, get a load of him in Midnight Sun. It's all, oh, I don't want to be in high school. Humans are so boring. I hate having to pretend to be a human. And I'm just thinking then stop. Stop pretending to be a human. He's like, oh, all their thoughts are boring. And I was like, as if, if I was him, I'd be in that high school and I'd be listening to every freaking conversation that I could. Every freaking conversation. What's Laura up to? Let me just tune into her brain and find out. He's just full of self-loathing and just loathing for other people. But I mean, that's five pages. He might grow. <laughs> Doubt it. That's the thing. It's the exact same plot as Twilight, right? So like, what's the point of it? And I know Elle James is milking it. She's doing a, a Christian Grey perspective book for every single one of her Fifty Shades books. And it's just like, what a cash cow. It gets to a certain point, And I think it's a bit inappropriate to be milking your audience for, you know, more money. Speaking of milking your audience for money, (laughs) the Patreon's going great. We're still reading 365 days. We've just finished chapter eight and Laura fell off a cruise ship. (laughs) Well, not a cruise ship. She fell off like a yacht, a mega yacht. And Massimo legitimately had to jump off in his clothes and scoop her up and get her back on deck, which is just so funny. But also the next minute she's getting out of a hot tub and she's running around with wet feet, just not a care in the world, running down the stairs on the yacht. And I'm like, you're going to fall over again. Have some care. But like, that's not even the most wild part of the books. I think Bob from Patreon put it best when he said, 
This book is so wild that every time I listen to a new episode, I think I've missed an episode before because of the lack of plot continuity. But no, that's just the plot. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's hilarious. Anyway, let's get into chapter nine, third wheel. So we start this chapter with a little passage of time and just a little summary of what's been going on. Basically, her life is school, work and Jacob, though not necessarily in that order. Ooh. And she says, Charlie got his wish. I wasn't miserable anymore. And I'm thinking, yay. I hated when you were miserable. And then she says, I was like a lost moon. My planet destroyed in some cataclysmic disaster movie scenario of desolation. And that continued. (laughs) So she's talking about how there's this empty space orbiting around her, blah, blah, blah. You just got dumped by a vampire. Like put things into perspective and calm down. And she's getting better at the bike, which is a good thing, but also a bad thing because the voice in her head is fading away. And this panics her. So she throws herself into the search for the meadow and she racks her brain for other adrenaline producing activities. She says she racks her brain. And it's like, mate, you just saw some people jumping off of a cliff. You just saw cliff diving two chapters ago. Why are you racking your brain when there's a perfectly good solution right there? Like, yes, it's dangerous, blah, blah, blah. But if you're looking to do something, why are you brainstorming and coming up with nothing when you've just seen people cliff dive? And, oh, she's so unaware of herself. She says, I didn't keep track of the days that passed. There was no reason, as I tried to live as much in the present as possible. No past fading, no future impending. Um, yeah, you're trying to live in the present by tracking down a meadow you went to once with your ex-boyfriend. That doesn't really add up, Bells. But her point of saying that is that she's surprised by the date when Jacob pulls up and he says, happy Valentine's Day. And he gives her like a small little box with those little hearts. And she goes, well, I feel like a schmuck. Is today Valentine's Day? And he's like, ugh, yes. And he's like, so are you going to be my Valentine or what? Since you didn't get me a 50 cent box of candy, it's the least you can do. And she's feeling uncomfortable because she doesn't like him that way. And then she's thinking, hmm, how do I get some boundaries with Jacob? I just, I don't know how to clear up the boundaries. And he says, what are we doing tomorrow? Are we hiking or going to the ER? And she's like, let's go hiking. It's like, you just got given an opportunity to be like, oh, tomorrow I'm actually just going to hang out by myself. There's a boundary, but she's like, yep, let's go hiking together on an intimate walk to the meadow. Like, yeah, okay, that's really going to help with your boundaries. Oh, actually, she does do that. So he's like, let's go for bikes on Friday. And she's like, "Ah, I'm seeing a movie. So, okay, good for you, Bells. I really should read ahead before I critique you so much. But she says, I've been promising my cafeteria crowd that I would go out forever. So, yep, she's putting up boundaries. No, she's not. She quickly adds, you'll come too, right? Because she looks at his expression because his face fell and I guess she feels bad. So she's now invited him to her fake thing on Friday, which just defeats the purpose. She says, I couldn't stand hurting Jacob. We seem to be connected in an odd way. We all know how this story ends up, right? That Jacob imprints on her, her one second year old baby. Renee Zellweger, and yeah, he imprints on her baby. So 
and I can't really remember how they justify that in Breaking Dawn. I sort of have a vague recollection of it being like, oh, that's why he was always so attached to you because of your unborn fetus. Uh, because of the eggs in your ovaries that he would one day imprint on. Like, haha, that's the link. That explains why you guys were so close. Which it doesn't really. I don't know if that did pop up in the text, but I'm thinking, is Stephanie Meyer planning ahead or is she just writing off the seat of her pants? I don't know if she's planning ahead, but this little line about the weird connection, it does make you wonder. Hmm. But anyway, so yeah. He's going to join her to the movies with the cafeteria crew. Also, why is she calling it the cafeteria crew? <laughs> uh, just say you're friends. And he's going to bring Quill. Cool. Great. So then we're at English class. I love the time jump, Steph. Keep it coming. So we're at English class and she's like, hey, Mike, you're free Friday night. And he's like, hell yeah, let's do it. Let's go out. And she's like, uh-huh. I'm thinking of getting a group together. Like a group, like lots of people, like not just you and I. She's really, really hammering at home. She's like, yep, just a whole group thing. And she's so good at friend zoning Mike. So I don't know why she's struggling so much with Jacob. And Mike's like a little bit like, oh, a group thing. But he comes around and she's like, yeah, let's go see this Crosshairs movie because it's a full bloodbath. She checked the spoilers online. There's nothing romantic about it. So she's all for it. But Mike's not given up so easily. So he's like, how about we invite one of the other couples like Angela and Ben or Eric and Katie? And she's like, yep, let's invite them both. And also Jessica and Tyler and Connor and maybe even Lauren. So every named character at Forks High is coming along. I'm surprised bloody Mr. Rogers from Bloody English Lit isn't coming. And then she says, I've also got a couple of friends from La Push that I'm inviting. So it sounds like we'll need your Suburban if everyone comes. And okay, ask nicely. Don't just assume Mike can drive everyone, including your rando friends from down at La Push. We'll need your Suburban. It sort of sounds like you're only inviting him so he can drive, which is a bit dodge. You know, people can arrive separately. Bella, you can take multiple cars. We're all going to fit in your Suburban. How big's the Suburban? You just named eight people. But she says, in the end, the Suburban wasn't necessary. So even though she's skipping ahead, we're still getting the minutia of her life. Oh, the Suburban wasn't needed after all, after we discussed it at length. So Jessica and Lauren are busy, AKA they don't want to hang out with crazy, crazy old Bella. Eric and Katie already have plans because it's their three week anniversary or something. And she says that so dismissively, like it's their three week anniversary or something. And it's like, okay, you're the one that just had a breakup and you're banging on about it for six months. So don't dismiss their three week long relationship. Even Quill's out because he got grounded for fighting at school. But we've got Angela, Ben and Jacob and Mike ready to go. So Friday afternoon comes around. She goes home, Jacob's waiting for her, leaning against the hood of his new car. Well, not his new car, but he's done up his car. And she's just exclamation city. No way, exclamation mark. You're done, exclamation mark. I can't believe it, exclamation mark. You finished the rabbit, exclamation mark. Four exclamation marks in one line of dialogue. Holy cabooses. Like, dial it down a notch, Bells. I preferred you when you were depressed. And he's like, yep, finished it last night. This is the maiden voyage. 
being all like, yeah, I'm going to take you for a drive and that'll be the maiden voyage. How'd you get the car there, Jacob? How did you get the car there in the first place? That was the maiden voyage from La Push to her house. And Bella's like, all right, I give up. You win. You're oldest. Because remember, they're flirting about who's older because of their skills. <sighs> and then she says Mike's Suburban chugged around the corner. So she's shading Mike's Suburban as being a pretty shitty car. And I'm like, okay, your truck is running on fumes, but all right. And Jacob sees Mike and he's like, oh, I remember this guy. He's that one that thought you were his girlfriend, right? I guess they were referring to an incident in Twilight. I only read it last year, but it's already whoop, gone right out of my brain. And Mike's also given Jacob a once-over, and Bella's thinking, hmm, he doesn't really look like a sophomore. He's, I mean, we all know what Jacob looks like at this point. He's a big boy. He's got russet-coloured skin. Like, do we need to be reminded about his muscles and his skin colour? I don't know. So she says, hey, Mike, exclamation mark, do you remember Jacob Black? And Mike says, not really. Oh, Mike Newton, you old thing. <laughs> God, I love that. And then they shake hands and she says with more force than necessary. How do you know, Bells? Your hand's not in the mix. Meanwhile, Ben calls because Angela's sick with the stomach flu. Foreshadowing. And she can't come and he doesn't want to go without her. So it's just Bella and the boys. And she thinks just the three of us. Oh, this had worked out brilliantly. She thought with grim sarcasm, because this is obviously what she didn't want. The two guys she's trying to friend zone on a double date. Well, not a double date, more like a thruple date. On a thruple date at the movies. And it's like, hey, Bella, you could have just stayed home. You didn't have to invite both of them to the movies, but okay. So she's like, yep, Angie's sick. And Mike says, I guess the flu is making another round. Austin and Connor were out today too. I guess the flu is making another round. What do you mean you guess? It's because you know Austin and Connor have the flu. Now Ange has the flu. Of course it's going around. What are you guessing for? And Jacob's like, I'll still go to the movies. You can stay back, Mike. And Mike's like, no, no, I'm coming. And so Bella says to Mike, hey, do you mind if Jacob drives? He just, you know, fixed up this car. And she said she's bragging, proud as a PTA mum with a student on the principal's list. Ugh, what a dumb, dumb metaphor that is. So Mike gets shoved into the back seat. Hilarious, poor Mike. And Jacob's chattering away and she forgets Mike's even there until Mike leans his head forward and rests his chin on the shoulder of a seat being like, hey guys, uh, can we listen to the radio? And Jacob says, uh, Bella doesn't like music. And she's shocked. And I'm like, yeah, I'd be shocked too if someone said I didn't like music. Like, don't presume to say what I like. But nah, she's like, yeah, he's right. <laughs> she's just shocked that he's noticed. And Mike's like, how can you not like music? What are you, a psycho? And she says, I don't know. It just irritates me. And Mike says, humph. <laughs> I'm with Mike. She doesn't like music. That's nuts. She certainly liked hearing Edward play piano. What does she think that is? That's music, Bella. It might not be on the radio, but it's still music. What kind of person doesn't like music? It's like when someone says they don't like dogs. You can't trust that person. And if my friend Katie, who doesn't like dogs, listens to this, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but now you know how I feel. <laughs> and so Mike's being all sullen 
She said he's not much of an addition to the party and she almost wished that he would have bowed out. And then she's thinking, oh, but I wouldn't want to end up on a date alone with Jacob either. That wouldn't help anything. This is all of your own making, Bella. You've made your bed, lie in it. So the movie's super bloodthirsty. There's just people getting blown up and beheaded and Jacob's laughing. And she's like, what? And he's like, oh, come on, it's hilarious. This fake blood shooting out of here. And she's like, oh, all right, that is pretty funny. So then they both start cackling in the movie theater. Just cackling. How distracting for the rest of the patrons. It's just obnoxious, really. But Mike's just sitting there with a weird reaction. He's stiff and he's just staring at like the fringe curtain above the screen. So something's going on with old boy Mike. Oh, and both Jacob and Mike had the armrests on either side of her and they had their hands resting with the palms up. And she said it was like steel bear traps open and ready. And I actually quite like that. That's, that's quite cool. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Clever. But she's like, I'm not falling for that one, guys. And she's sitting there with her arms crossed. And eventually Mike gives up. Mike's like, ugh, I've, I've tried with your bells, but I'm, I'm putting my hand back in my lap. And guys, this is why you buy popcorn. You buy popcorn when you're on a date at the movies, so you can do that accidental hand touch thing when you both reach for the popcorn. Accidental wink wink. That's what you do. But anyway, Mike starts turning a little green. He's moaning and groaning. And he says, I think I'm going to be sick. And he's sweating. And so he bolts for the door. And she's like, all right, I'll get up and follow you. 
And Jacob's like, all right, I'll get up and follow Bella. So they all leave the movie. And Mike's not in the hallway, so he's already gone into the bathroom. It's, it's D-Day in that bathroom. Jacob goes back in to check. And Jacob says, oh, he's all right. What a marshmallow. You should hold out for someone with a stronger stomach. <laughs> what a marshmallow. I love that. So they go to sit down and then Jacob puts his arm around Bella's shoulder and she's like, Jake. So he takes her hand with his hand and wraps it around her wrist. I'm struggling to picture that. He reached out and took my hand firmly, wrapping his other hand around my wrist. So so both of his hands are on the same hand. I, I don't care. But she's like, where did he get this confidence from? And he's like, now just hold on a minute, Bella. (laughs) Okay, why is Jacob talking like this? When he said, what a marshmallow, I thought that was funny. And now he's saying, now just hold on a minute, Bella. Is he a dad from a 1950s sitcom? Now just hold on a minute here, Bella. Why is he talking like this? This isn't how a teenager talks, you marshmallow. And he's like, Bella, you like me, right? And she's like, you know I do. And he's like, Better than that joker puking his guts out in there. And he points to the bathroom door. See, this is what I'm saying. Better than that joker puking his guts out in there. Like, that joker? (laughs) Who talks like this, Jacob? And she's like, yeah, I like you. I like you better than most guys I know. Better than all the other girls I know too. But that's all he said. And she's like, yeah. And she is just anxious about all of this. I think she just needs to say, hey, look, mate, I want to be your friend, but not in that way. Get over it. And she's just going to have to risk the fact that his feelings might be hurt for a little bit because she's putting all this pressure on herself to still be his best friend because she loves him, but she doesn't love him that way, but she doesn't want to hurt his feelings. And it's just like, mate, rip the bandaid off and just friend zoning him already. But she's like, yeah, I don't like you like that. And he says, that's okay. I'm prepared to be annoyingly persistent. Now, Jacob, no, no, no. I know you're young and you're new to the world of dating, but being annoyingly persistent isn't your best move. That's actually walking a tightrope of some really complicated stuff. And it's best if you just gave up. But then Jacob turns thoughtful and he says, it's still the other one, isn't it? And he's referring to Edward, but we don't say his name. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine, but I'm not going to give up. I've got loads of time. And then she's like, don't waste your time on me. And then in narration, she's like, damaged goods as is. So she's calling herself damaged goods. So then she's fake pulling her hand away. And he says, this doesn't really bother you, does it? As he squeezes her fingers. And she's like, nah. She goes, truthfully, it felt nice. His hand was so much warmer than mine. I always felt too cold these days. I thought you liked holding cold hands. That was your whole thing for the last book. You loved how cold Edward was. And now she's like, yeah, I like a little bit of hate. I guess people can change. But it's also a bit of a mixed message for Jacob to be like, oh, I love holding your hand, but I never want to be with you. (laughs) So he's trying to get clarification. So good for him for um, asking the questions. He says, so what's the problem? And she says, the problem is that it means something different to me than it does to you. And he's like, well, I guess that's my problem. And he tightens his hand around her and it's like, oh, this is a long chat. 
Poor Mike's puking his guts out. That Jaker in the bathroom, he's puking his guts out, the marshmallow. And I think it's time for Jacob to run back in and check on him. But nope, <laughs> they're just having this old heart to heart in the foyer. But Jacob's pinky finger is tracing against that scar she's got in her hand from when James bit her. And he's like, how did this happen? And she's like, I don't know. You know, I fall over lots. And then finally, Mike stumbles out of the bathroom. Finally. And she says, he looked horrible. (laughs) Poor Mike can't catch a break. And Jacob's like, movie too much for you, eh, old chap? And Mike's like, well, I didn't actually watch any of it. I was nauseated before the lights went down. And Bella's like, well, why didn't you say anything? And he's like, I was hoping it would pass. Uh, Okay, so if you were nauseous the whole time, why did you have your hand out on the armrest trying to hold hands with Bella? You're clearly sick and you're going to give it to her. That's rude. And so Jacob goes to the concession stand and asks for an empty popcorn bucket, which is just inspired because now Mike has a spew bucket. That's quick thinking, Jacob. So then they put Mike in the back with the popcorn bucket and then they roll all the windows down to try and stop him from vomiting. (laughs) Poor Mike. And so it's super icy in the car because the windows are down, but Jacob's body heat is still off the charts. Foreshadowing. But Bella's like, you might have a fever. You are burning up. And he's like, I'm fit as a fiddle. Meanwhile, Mike's throwing up in the back seat into the bucket. (laughs) So then she says the road felt longer on the way back. Jacob was quiet, thoughtful. He left his arm around me and it was so warm that the cold wind felt good. And so like the point of that sentence is that she's enjoying his warmth and feeling a bit guilty because you know he's got his arm around her and she's liking it but she doesn't want to you know lead him on uh why isn't his hand on the wheel the two o'clock and the ten o'clock position mate and only move it to touch the gear shift thingy (laughs) the gear shift is that what it's called the gear the gears the gear shift thingy the handbrake and the and the the shift I'm not much of a driver. I've got my license, but I'm not good at it. And I don't know what that thing's called. The gear gear stick. It's a gear stick. Put your hand on the gear stick, Jake. Don't go having it wrapped around your best friend who's not your girlfriend. Wow, that was embarrassing, that whole gear stick thing. Should I cut that out? Oh, who cares? And Bella's just feeling so much guilt. She's saying how she felt like she was an empty house, condemned, uninhabitable. But now she's a little bit improved. And Jacob's helped with that improvement, blah, blah, blah. She doesn't want to do anything that would send him away. She needs him too much. She's only leading him on because she wants him in her life. Get over it. So then they get to Bella's house and then she gets Mike suburban and drives Mike home with Jacob following her to Mike's place so that he could drop Bella back to her place. Sounds complicated, but they're doing the right thing getting Mike home safe. So that's good. And then Jacob's like, oh, I think you're right about the fever. I'm starting to feel a little bit strange. Foreshadowing. And she's like, oh, no, not you too. Do you want me to drive you home? And he's like, nah, I don't feel sick yet. Just dot, 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 wrong. And she's like, all right, well, call me as soon as you get home. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But before he leaves, he says, look, I just want to tell you something. I know you're unhappy a lot. And maybe it doesn't help, but I wanted you to know that I'm always here. I won't ever let you down. You can always count on me. And I would never, ever hurt you. How lovely is that? Jacob's a bloody charming young 
young lad. <laughs> now I'm talking like the old man. What a strapping young lad Jacob is. And then she says, yeah, Jake, I do count on you probably more than you know. And then the smile broke across his face the way the sunrise sets the clouds on fire. Does a, does a sunrise set clouds on fire? Uh, don't, okay. And she says, and I wanted to cut my tongue out. I hadn't said one word that was a lie, but I should have lied. The truth was wrong. <sighs> Just all this guilt again. Has anyone ever felt guilt more than Bella for things that were never in her control? She doesn't feel guilty about saying all that mean stuff to Charlie when she had to go to Phoenix, but she feels guilty about being friends with Jacob, even though she doesn't want to date him. That's fine, babe. You're not doing anything wrong. So then she's watching him drive away and she's starting to feel a little sick, but not for any physical reasons, she says. Which is ridiculous because like in another page, she's going to start getting the flu as well. So she's feeling sick, but it's all emotional turmoil. She's thinking about how she's broken beyond repair, but she needs Jacob now. She needs him like a drug. Now she doesn't name check the drug <laughs> like heroin. So he's not a, her own favorite brand of heroin at this point in time, but she needs him like a drug. And she can't bear for him to be hurt and she couldn't keep from hurting him, but uh, blah, 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 blah. He was my best friend. I would always love him and it would never ever be enough. So then she goes inside and Charlie's like, oh, you're back quick. And she's like, yeah, Mike got sick, some sort of stomach flu. So then she's sitting in the kitchen waiting for the phone to ring for Jacob to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm home safe. And it's not coming. So after 18 minutes, she starts ringing out. And on the eighth ring, Billy picks up and he's like, yeah, hello. <laughs> and she goes, Billy, it's me, Bella. Is Jake there? And he's like, yeah, he's here. <laughs> and, and she's like, well, he was supposed to call me. He was getting sick. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. He was too sick to call. He's not feeling well right now. And she's just like, okay, well, let me know if you need any help. I could come down. And Billy's like, nah, nah, we're fine. Stay where you are. And she goes, oh, the way he said it was almost rude. Again, Bella, I've said this before, but you need to pick up on social cues. Billy didn't want to have the chat. He gave you the information you wanted. So just rack off and leave him alone. So then she trudged up the stairs, fretting. She's always trudging. Bella loves to trudge. But then she wakes up at 4.30 in the morning, not from the nightmare. Unclear if she's still having nightmares or not. But she's sick. So she sprints to the bathroom. Charlie comes in at 5am. And classic Charlie, she's got her cheek pressed against the cold edge of the bathtub. And he says, stomach flu. And she says, yes. And... Then she says, call the Newtons for me, please. Tell them I can't come into work. And he goes, yeah, okay. And then he leaves. So then she spends the rest of the day on the bathroom floor, sleeping, you know, like on the toilet. And Charlie claimed that he had to work, but Bella suspected that he just wanted access to a bathroom. So Charlie leaves his sick daughter home alone for a job that he doesn't have to be at. And he left a glass of water on the floor beside her to keep her hydrated. (laughs) What a shit dad. He left a glass of water and said, that'll do kid, that'll do. And then she falls asleep and it's night time she wakes up. He comes home, he clumps up the stairs. So she's a trudger, he's a clumper. And he says, still alive? 
And then, do you want anything? And she goes, no, thanks. And he goes, okay. And then he goes back downstairs to head to the kitchen, probably to watch some sort of sports match on the TV. Want anything? No, thanks. Okay. (laughs) And he just leaves her in the bathroom. Anyway, Mike calls Ben like, I feel better now. And she's like, great. He got it eight hours ahead of me. So I'll probably be fine in eight hours. She sleeps. She actually drinks the glass of water and it felt great because she was so parched. So, hey, Charlie, that was a really helpful glass of water. Thank you. So when she's feeling better in the morning, she calls Jacob and Jacob answers and he's like, hello. And she's like, oh, Jake, you don't sound great. And he's like, yeah, I feel horrible. And she's like, yeah, I I was sick too, but I feel better now. So you'll probably be better in a few hours as well. Which, I mean, doesn't make sense because he got sick before you did. But according to your timeline with Mike, it's a 24 hour thing. So he's got a different bug to you then, I think, sweets. And he says, I don't think I have the same thing you did. This isn't the stomach flu. And she's like, well, what's wrong? And he's like, everything, every part of me hurts. And she's like, what can I do? And he says, nothing, you can't come here. I'll call you when I can, just don't come here again. And so then he starts wrapping up the phone convo and he's like, yeah, wait for me to call. And she's like, okay, bye, Jacob. And he says, Bella, and hangs up the phone. And that's the end of the chapter. Action-packed chapter. Well, I mean, on the surface of things, it's not a lot of action. They went to the movies and got sick. But we in the know realize that Jacob's got the change happening. The old werewolf puberty strikes again. And so the next chapter is called The Meadow. So yeah, we're building. We're building towards whatever narrative (laughs) that Stephanie's going to give us. And I can't wait for it. So I'll see you next week. As I said at the top of the show, check out breaking down bad books on TikTok if that's your jam. And if you want to hear more about Laura falling off a cruise ship, you can always check out patreon.com slash breaking down bad books. And I'll see you. Goodbye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. 
Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider træt af alle de der podcaster, forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.